0: This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Tactile Fiber Arts. Visit the shop online at www.tactilefiberarts.com. Hi, this is Alana and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. Hello everyone, and thanks for joining me today for episode 59 of Never Not Knitting. First things first, I have a drawing winner to announce from last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment under the drawing blog post for episode 58 was entered to win the gorgeous Les Ablay shawl pattern by Anne Hansen, as well as the beautiful skein of fleece artist Sea provided by One Planet Yarn and Fiber. I chose a commenter at random using the online random number generator, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Fibercrafter from Seattle, Washington. Congratulations. Woo-hoo! So please, if you just heard your screen name called, get in touch with me right away so that I can get your shipping information and so that I can get this prize mailed right on out to you. Thanks to everyone who participated, and be sure to listen to the rest of this episode, because I'll be announcing a new drawing for you to enter at the end. So, as always, I'd like to start off today's show with a knitting update. Unfortunately, life's been a bit crazy around here in the past few weeks, so I don't have quite as much knitting to report on as I would like to. In the last episode, I shared with you my current knitting obsession, the Rocky Coast Cardigan. And, well, as an update, that obsession is still burning strong. Although I have absolutely no idea how I would have the time to actually, you know, knit the cardigan. I keep thinking about it on a daily basis, though. And I know I'm not alone here with this. Many other knitters have noticed this cardigan as well. It's gotten to be rather popular. I've seen many projects pop up over the last few weeks on Ravelry, and it's even made it into Ravelry's top five pattern list. Like many knitters, though, I've had a really hard time deciding which yarn to use, if this Rocky Coast fantasy of mine does ever turn into reality. The pattern calls for a worsted weight yarn knit on size 10.5 needles. And the original sample was made in the fiber company Organic, which is an amazing single ply wool silk alpaca blend. It's a beautiful yarn. Now, if I wanted to be practical, I have several yarns at home from my stash that would definitely work for this sweater, but just none of them are quite what I'm looking for. For instance, I have a sweater's worth of the organic in my stash right now, but it's a very dark navy blue and I don't really wear navy blue, so although that yarn would work, what's the point if I'm never going to wear it, right? And also, I wasn't really planning on using a dark color for this pattern. It's a beautiful cable and I just feel like it wouldn't show up quite as much as I would like it to in a dark color. So there's that. Then I also have a sweaters worth of Malabrigo Worsted in the Polar Morn colorway, which is actually an ideal color for the sweater because it's this lovely light grayish blue, which is an opposite problem because it's the exact right color. A long time ago, you might remember me talking about starting the Vine Yoke cardigan by Yasolda out of this yarn, but I kind of lost interest in that sweater over time, and I wasn't sure if the fit was going to end up right, and it's been unfinished for, well, years now. So I would be totally willing to rip that out and use on something else. And like I've said on this podcast before, Malabrigo is wonderful. It's soft, it's squishy, it would make a gorgeous sweater a gorgeous sweater that you can't wear for long. Yes, it is my fear that this single-ply, super soft yarn, knit at a very loose gauge like this, would pill like crazy. And that's kind of the standard problem with single-ply, especially Malabrigo. And in my opinion, it's this yarn's only downfall. If it didn't pill, I think I might make everything in Malabrigo. And since I'd like to make this cardigan and, you know, like, and wear it for a while, maybe even over the course of a few years, I think that this option is out, unfortunately. Especially since I shortly will be carrying around a new baby all the time, which would be a lot of friction against the fabric, which would probably lead to even more pilling for me. So, yeah, probably not the best choice, I don't think. So, finally, in my stash I also have a sweater's worth of Carabella Aurora 8 yarn that I've been holding onto forever. Now this yarn is very soft, it's very springy, it's applied yarn, and it's a worsted weight. It would seem to be the perfect match, and it is, kind of. The only problem with this yarn is the color. It's off-white, which I guess is okay, but it's just boring. There's no color variation of any sort. The color is not as pretty as the cream color shown in the organic yarn used in the original pattern sample. It's just this basic plied off-white wool. And in saying this, I realize what a yarn snob I am complaining about such a thing. Um. I guess this yarn is practical, but it's just just not exciting. And these days, I'm only interested in knitting things that I really love. I don't like to settle, especially when I'm going to devote hours of my time to a project. Many times when I've settled in the past, I knit the sweater. Turns out okay, but I often don't wear it because it's not the right color or... Sometimes I don't finish it because it's boring. So I'm really, really excited about this sweater. And if I knit it, I want to be sure that I'm really, really in love with this project. And it's going to be something that I'm going to use for years to come. So there you have it. That's my yarn dilemma. None of the yarns I have feel quite right. So shortly after the last episode, I went looking for inspiration and took my big, pregnant self down to my local yarn shop, fully prepared to buy an expensive sweater's worth of yarn for this project. But unfortunately, nothing there was quite right either, so I left empty-handed. How is it that I'm surrounded by so much yarn at home, so much yarn at the yarn store, and yet I can't find anything? Perhaps I'm just getting pickier the more pregnant I get. Is that a side effect or something? I've kept thinking and thinking and thinking about which yarn to use, and also I've been following the Rocky Coast Cardigan Knit Along in the Coastal Knits Ravelry group, where lots of knitters are showing pictures of their swatches, but honestly, it only has confused me further. When I'm daydreaming about the Rocky Coast Cardigan, I just keep thinking of that original sample. The one in the book, knit from the Fiber Company's Organic Yarn in that beautiful cream color called, I think, Arctic Tundra. I fell in love with the photos, and I fell in love with the sweater in real life. And at this point, I'm feeling like I just need to not overthink it and just go with what I originally saw, what I originally liked. Maybe I should just do the organic yarn in a light, neutral color way. It was so soft and so cushy and wonderful. And I'm not sure that any other yarn choice would have the exact same look or appeal for me. Plus now I've heard several places how the fiber blend in the organic yarn isn't as prone to pilling, although it's a single ply, which is definitely reassuring. And just now I realized that Hannah posted on her blog a whole article about this. So that definitely takes care of the single ply phobia for me. But then again... I also think this cardigan might look even more amazing in the Fiber Company Terra Yarn, which, if you haven't seen it, is also incredibly gorgeous. It's a similar yarn, similar weight and fiber blend, but it has a little bit of this slubby silk running through it, which gives it a bit more interesting texture. And I'm thinking that that might look really, really beautiful and interesting in this cable pattern. So basically, after all of this thinking and fretting over yarn, I think I might have decided on a plan. If I ever do get the time, I'd like to do a swatch out of Terra. and if that doesn't work out the way that I would like it to, I'll just make it out of the organic, because I know that that yarn will definitely work out nicely for this pattern, and that I'll like the result. So yes, that is what I'm going to do about that. So, other than this out-of-control indecisiveness, I've still been plugging away on my baby projects. I'm still working on that Gramps cardigan pattern, and in a random fit of startitis, I started a few more projects as well. While on Ravelry the other night, I stumbled upon the Pure Perium cardigan pattern, and I had a must-cast-on-for-that-sweater-right-now moment. Pregnancy sure can do funny things to a person. This little baby sweater is a free pattern in a newborn size. And it's a very simple, practical little sweater that buttons up on one side and it's very sweet. It looks super practical, like the type of little sweater that would be so easy to put on your baby, one that you would use all the time. So I was on Ravelry, I saw the picture, and I thought, my little baby boy needs that sweater, and in multiple colors. And, like a madwoman, I dove into the stash head first and stayed up until 3 a.m. knitting. I told you, pregnancy can make you act crazy. Well, several days later, I was still working on that first sweater, out of a fiber company yarn called Acadia which is this tweedy, soft, textury DK weight, and it's coming along really beautifully. But I'm pretty sure that although I originally selected several yarns for several versions of the sweater that crazy night, I think that there's only going to be just this one. It's a great little pattern, and I love it, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I have a Rocky Coast cardigan to swatch for, remember? In that fit of starditis I just mentioned, I also cast on and completed two small little projects out of two baby books I've been wanting to knit from. I've had this gorgeous skein of Becoming Art hand-spun from a few stitches ago that I've been deathly afraid to actually use for quite a while, but the other night I figured, now who is a better recipient for a lovely hand-knit out of a special yarn? than a very special, precious newborn baby. Now, I may regret that decision later when I'm hand-washing the spit-up off of it, but for for that moment, it made total sense. So out of this hand-spun, I knit a very, very quick pair of little baby knits out of the book, 60 Quick Baby Knits, as well as an adorable little newborn hat out of the new book, Bambinis, by the brilliant hat designer, Woolly Wormhead. This book contains 20 quick kids hat designs and the hat that I knit is the Quinn pattern. And the style of it is very interesting and fun. It's knit like a normal hat, but you work increases and decreases to create ear flaps. It looks really really great in a self-striping yarn as the original sample is shown in in the book, so I knew it would be an excellent match for this hand-spun, since the colors slowly shift as you knit. And yep, I was right. The hat is done, and it's pretty cute. And one of these days, I'll actually get around to posting pictures of all of these projects I'm talking about on my blog, so that you can see for yourself. Speaking of Wooly Wormhead, though, and her new book, I actually have a signed copy to give away to one of you listening for this episode's drawing giveaway. If you like knitting hats, you're going to love this book. These hats are inventive and fun and extremely cute. But that is not all. Wooly was kind enough to also contribute a personal knitting story to this episode. I'd like to now present her story entitled the process knitter.
1: My mum taught me to knit when I was very young. I was three to be precise. I don't remember the first steps being shown the basics, the knit and purl stitches, but I do remember pestering her when I was about four, wanting to know how to knit moss stitch and ribbing and a whole bunch of other stitch patterns on what little precious yarn I had. From then on in, my dolls were never short of clothes. Also sewing from a young age, my thirst for more never waned. Birthday and seasonal gifts from my crafty aunts were often their leftover balls of yarn or scraps of fabric, and those were the best kind of gifts ever. My mum gave me most of her old metal knitting needles, all the ones left to her by her mum, and before I'd even reached double figures in age, I had a pretty impressive stash. Not content with making clothes for my dolls, I soon moved on to me-sized items, and my first ever knitted piece for myself was a jumper. I went straight for the big commitment stuff. And so, at the grand old age of ten, I'd knitted my first ever non-doll-sized jumper. Except it seemed to take forever to finish, because I needed my mum to show me how to pick up stitches for the neckband, and it needed doing when I wanted it done. And I remember that my mum had more important things to do that day, like cook dinner or buy groceries. So I had to wait what felt like a very, very long time. It wasn't a fussy jumper. It was a simple stocking stitch piece with rib welts and cuffs, a crew neck style with basic fitted shoulders. It was seamed. Circling knitting was an unknown thing to us back then in the knitting dark ages. It was knit from a crepe yarn that was popular at the time, most likely made from polyester. I don't remember exactly. The lady who ran the local shop, which was of the poorly lit and dusty variety, was keen for us to use this yarn, because it was new and revolutionary and was supposed to wash well. It had a funny texture, and I didn't especially like it. I swear it squeaked when worn. But it was the only yarn they had that wasn't fluffy, and it was very important that my yarn wasn't fluffy. And of course, it came in black. I quickly realised that knitting from patterns wasn't really for me. I was too adventurous and keen to push myself beyond what I already knew. There wasn't much else available to me. The local library was small and it didn't stock knitting books. The local yarn shop only stocked dusty old patterns supplied by the yarn company that I suspect had been there for a long, long time. Certainly not the types of garments that a knitter, about to enter her teenage years, would want to wear. So one day, Armed with some black polyester crepe yarn and my old UK size 10 knitting needles, I set about doing some maths. I calculated how many rows and stitches I got to a certain amount of inches, mostly unaware of the merits of checking gauge as it wasn't something we really did. We normally just cast on for the recommended size and hoped for the best. But I was good with maths and I knew that if I wanted to write a pattern for myself I needed to know a few things. I sat down with a pencil and some graph paper and set about writing a pattern for a single-sized raglan roll-neck jumper. And you know what? It fit. It was a little short in the arms, and it could have been longer in the body. You see, I would made the jumper to the size that I always knit in my jumpers, the size the knitting patterns told me I should be. I was yet to learn about ease and how different my body was to the standard. But I was 13, and a little impatient. And it didn't really matter anyway, because this was the 1980s, and the individual look was in. So I went on like this for a few years, either designing jumpers to fit me, eventually learning that I needed to measure myself as my body kept changing shape, or adapting patterns that I found in the few places that I could look for them. It was mostly always jumpers. I remember knitting a few pairs of fingerless gloves, which were a 1980s must-have, and the odd pair of socks, and maybe even a scarf or two. There was a patchwork blanket in there somewhere too, made up from all the test squares knitted from my first copy of the Harmony Guide. But mostly, just jumpers. And most of the time, once they were knit, I never really wore them. And I never really knew why. So I just gave them to my mum. During the 70s, my mum had collected every edition of the Golden Hands and Crafts magazine. Bereft of a well-stocked library and having exhausted everything my mum and aunts could teach me, these magazines were my best friend, my craft and mentor. They'd guided me through my early knitting years with their patterns for the Sasha and Gregor dolls. I even made my own rag doll from within those pages. And as time went on, And as I moved beyond the patterns, I learned about a number of new-to-me, and probably new to my mum knitting techniques. One technique that particularly caught my eye was Feral Knitting. I fell in love with the intricacies of the patterns, the way the geometric elements slotted together, and the way the colours both complemented and contrasted each other. All of that detail, working to create a wearable work of art. And so it was decided, I was going to design and knit myself a Feral Jumper. And this jumper was going to be my dream jumper and i was going to wear it forever it wasn't going to be like any of the jumpers that went before it months were spent laboring over the charted patterns i decided on using four colors and knowing the basic rules of fair planned and designed and charted and recharted a rather grand and intricate design once i was happy that the design was going to work i had to think about finding a suitable yarn this was now a couple of years on from my first design attempts And I'd recently discovered another yarn shop that was a bus ride away. This shop opened up a whole new world for me because they stocked wool. Not much of it but wool it was and cotton and other non-squeaky yarns and so I went having saved my pennies and bought a kilo of wool. Now I wasn't new to dyeing at this point and I decided rather firmly that I was going to dye the colours myself for this jumper as the colours I wanted weren't available. The problem was that I'd only dyed cotton fabric before, with old bottles of dialon solution given to me by my crafty yarns, back in the day when Dialon came pre-mixed in a bottle from the hardware shop. Not really knowing how to dye wool, I wrote a letter to Dylon explaining my plans, how much yarn I had, etc., and what I wanted to do with it. Within a few weeks, I'd had a reply back, and I was all set. Everything was coming together perfectly, it was as if this jumper was meant to be. Never before had I planned such a project, and I knew I was going to be so proud and everyone would adore it. Each 100-gram ball of wool was skeined and soaked, ready for the dye bath. I'd calculated roughly how much I needed for each colour, and without hesitation went about dyeing the wool. And every colour came out as I'd hoped, and not a single section of uneven dyeing was to be found in any of the ten skeins. The colours were rich and deep and worked together wonderfully. It felt like an age waiting for those skeins to dry. It was winter, and the wool wasn't going to hurry for me. But the promise of a beautiful jumper somehow gave me patience, and after a week of natural dyeing, those skeins were wound and I cast on. It was such an exciting moment. Months and months of careful planning had finally come to fruition, and I was now knitting the best jumper ever. I followed my hand-drawn charts meticulously, and it took a very long time to knit. I worked out how to get even tension when changing the colour, and how to wrap the yarn to avoid tangling. Knitting this jumper was a huge learning curve, yet everything fell into place. Not a single stitch was unpicked, and once I'd cast on, I knit all the way to the end. Eventually, a year or so after i dreamed up this fairer jumper, it was finished. Tentatively, I put it on and went and stood in front of the mirror to see how well my dream jumper looked. And how did it look? Well, I couldn't stand the sight of it. It's not that I disliked it. I loved it for everything that it was, It's just that I didn't like it on me, and I knew, almost instantly, that I would never wear it. So, just like most of my other hand-knit jumpers before it, this one found a new home with my mum. Now I know that I'm a process knitter, not a product knitter. And of all the hats I've knitted, I don't wear any of them. Unless they're black.
0: Thank you again, Wooly, for sharing your story with the podcast. I'll be providing links to her website and Ravelry page in this episode's show notes, so be sure to give her a visit and check out her design work. She has many amazing knitwear designs available. Also, I'll be posting a drawing giveaway for her new book on my blog very soon, so be sure to stop by to enter the win. But, come on, I don't usually just offer... One thing for a giveaway. The book itself makes a wonderful prize, but if you are actually wanting to knit something from it, you might want some yarn to go with it, right? Well, that's where this episode's sponsor comes in Tactile Fiber Arts. This yarn company is one that I am really excited to tell you about. As you all know by now, I have the new book with Hannah Fettig called Coastal Knits coming out very soon. And if you remember, the theme behind this book are knits inspired by our favorite coastal locations. My knits being inspired by the west coast of California, and Hannah's by the east coast of Maine. For several of the patterns, we decided it would be fun to showcase yarns produced in our region. We wanted a definite tie-in between our areas of the country and these knits because it's such an inspiration-based collection. While searching for the perfect yarn for my Rustling Leaves beret pattern, I got in touch with Maya Disco, the owner of Tactile Fiber Arts, and together we collaborated on the perfect yarn to tie into this project. My Rustling Leaves Beret is a design inspired by a eucalyptus grove near where I live. Ever since I was a small child, I've always loved the smell and sound of the rustling eucalyptus leaves overhead. So I designed a new leafy beret for the book with elongated leaves slanting in different directions to give them the feeling of movement, to mimic the actual eucalyptus leaves in this location. And come to find out, eucalyptus does not serve just as good inspiration for knitwear design, but it's actually good for dyeing yarn as well. Tactile Fiber Arts is a company that focuses on creating amazing colorways using only natural dyes, and Maya was very interested in using local California eucalyptus leaves to create a special colorway just for the spray, which of course I was so excited about. Throughout the process, I realized that Maya really does know her stuff. She very quickly produced multiple colorways from the eucalyptus for me to choose from. I was amazed by the variety she was able to come up with, just by changing the process slightly. I ended up settling on a muted green colorway dyed from dried eucalyptus that she named Windfall Eucalyptus Leaves, on her 10-cell wool blend sock yarn. It was a hard choice, but this color to me best represents the color that I most often think of when I picture these trees. You know, that pale silvery green in the leaves? And I tell you, I just could not be more thrilled by how this yarn turned out and how perfectly it fits into the theme of this book. Not to mention that it was really, really fun to learn more about the actual dye process along the way and actually have a part in designing this yarn. There's a little write-up about Maya and her company in the Coastal Knits book that I encourage you to check out when it's released. But in the meantime, visit her website at tactilefiberarts.com. You'll be amazed at the variety of gorgeous colorways that she's able to produce with natural products. And also, while you're there, check out her new Wild Crafted line which is a new line of yarn dyed with local dye stuffs here in California. The eucalyptus dyed yarn she made for me is part of this line. Many right now are knitting the Wrestling Leaves Beret because it's one of the pattern PDFs included in the Coastal Knits pre-order package. But for the full eucalyptus experience, consider using one of Maya's Wild Crafted Yarns for your beret project. Speaking of which, Maya has kindly donated four of these Wild Crafted skeins to this episode's drawing prize, to go along with the Bambini's book, in a variety of blends and weights, all in these natural, earthy tones. And additionally, Maya has offered 15% off the entire Tactile Fiber Arts online shop, just for the Never Not Knitting listeners and blog readers through November 15th. All you have to do is enter the code Knits in the checkout process to receive your discount. This is a great opportunity for you to try one of her amazing naturally dyed products. She sells both yarn and fiber. I personally am completely fascinated by this yarn company, so I hope that you will check it out for yourself. I think you're really going to like it. Also, if this idea of natural dyeing has sparked your interest, be sure to check out Maya's write-up about it on her website. She has a lot of knowledge, and it's really, really quite interesting. And of course, in case you're wondering, there will be a link to everything I've just talked about in this episode's show notes. So it'll be really easy to find. So don't go searching the web aimlessly. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Knitting, And you can email me at neverknotknitting at gmail.com. Well, everyone... That's about it for today's episode. But before I close, I'd like to tell you about episode sixty, which will be airing on October fifteenth. And this episode is special for two reasons. First of all, I'm doing something completely different with this next episode. It'll actually be co-hosted with my friend Hannah Fettig, and we will be following a brand new format. This is going to be the first interactive episode for Never Not Knitting, because I'm inviting all listening Opportunity to interview Hannah and I. If you have a question about our new book, our individual design work, or about our lives as knitwear designers, please post your question on the Coastal Knits Ravelry group. I have opened a thread there entitled Ask Us Your Coastal Knits Questions. If you have something you'd like to ask, please leave your question there before October 4th. As time permits, we will be answering your questions on the episode. And it should be a lot of fun. We're both really looking forward to it. The second reason why this episode is special is because it's the last episode of this podcast season and the last episode for a while. Now, I don't want to say that I'll never come back to podcasting, but I will be needing to take a nice long break because I'm not quite sure what my life will be like caring for a newborn, a five year old, and this business. But I can imagine that things are going to be quite hectic for a while. And I think I'll need all the time I can get to stay connected to my family and to get to know this new baby. And I know that that's something that you'll understand. So everyone, please join me for the maybe final Never not Knitting Season 6 finale on October 15th. Until then.
2: She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now it's just knit. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry in the washer and dryer, that's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She stitchin just won't stop her stitching, stitchin'. and the neighbors say, say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting making her husband mad, she just won't stop her stitching, and, well, she's losing all she had.